for me, it's like, what is it I want to learn? Why do I want to learn it? Who else is going to benefit from me having this new knowledge? And as I'm learning to bring them together, I think for me, a lot of the work that I'll be addressing is like um, this concept, which is in African spirituality of our head, of our ori, of like possessing ourselves fully, of like honoring our head. And our head is different than in this concept than our quote unquote mind. Our head is like our personhood. Like, are we living in alignment with our personhood? Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Healer Series podcast. It's brought to you by Mariposa, which is created by me, Miranda. It is in dedication to sharing different modalities and being in conversation with different practitioners to learn the ways that we might support ourselves in our own journeys in cultivating healing, change, transformation, and metamorphosis. Today's episode is a very special one with my dear friend, Lauren of Women of Rivers. We talk about everything from cultivating discernment in the age of Aquarius with ancestral practices and our bloodlines to um, living a spirit-led life that's focused on interdependence. Lauren is an amazing person that I've had the pleasure of collaborating with for the Elemental Magic course that we're going to announce at the end of this episode. So please stay tuned until then if you're interested. It will be a container to explore the elements in community, in conversation, weaving through multiple layers of different practices that we work with every day from astrology to tarot to herbalism. So if that piques your interest, please stay tuned until the end. Thank you so much for being here. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it, rate it, all of those damn things. They really help support me and keep going in um, being able to carve out the time and space to bring you these episodes that I enjoy so, so much. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how I stumbled upon Lauren, but when I found her work, I was really intrigued. We did, um, she hosted one of the healing workshops last year. It was on navigating spirituality in the age of Aquarius, which lit me up in so many different ways. And we've been working together on something so special um, that we'll share more at the end of the episode. But in working with her, I'm going to let her introduce herself, but I just want to say one of the things I've appreciated so much, and I think now this is going to be her nickname, but is that I feel like Lauren is a sword with her words. It's so beautiful and concise (laughs) and just like, even even in the Navigating Spirituality um, workshop, the way that she's able to share the information, which always feels divinely guided and it, it is very channeled is so precise and to the point and just hits the spots that 
for me, I personally need. I also had the pleasure of having a tarot reading with Lauren. So there's so much there. And I'm so, so excited to have her on because we've just shared a lot of conversations over this time and putting together this work. I'm just so grateful to share this space and be in conversation and have others be able to kind of listen in and hear the things that we talk about and and what's been moving Mm. us lately. So Lauren, Mm. I'd love just a brief introduction on how you got to this work that you're at. I know that a lot of, and or correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe a lot of it has come from your own lineage. And I'd love to hear, yeah, just your journey of getting to the work that you practice now. Mm. Oh my gosh. What, it feels like such an expansive question. You always ask the best questions. Uh, um, well, I guess I'll start with a piece um, on my lineage because I think that the tarot is what has led me um, into spirituality. It was kind of like the doorway into exploring um, what spirituality meant for me outside of my upbringing, which was very much a spiritualist church, if I really think about it. It was a non-denominational church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, called Higher Dimensions. It was one of the first, like, mega churches um, back in, I guess, the early 90s. Um, And I was just surrounded by people who spoke. We would call it, like, speaking into existence. Like, people who spoke over their lives, spoke over their children's lives, spoke to the elements. And so... I observed it growing up, like I observed people working with spirit, Um, but it really wasn't until I was out of college and really at a low point in my life um, that I found like working with spirit for myself. And so (laughs) this story is always so awkward for me. I took a channeling class um, with a dear friend in Kansas City. Um, Missouri. His name's Dr. Matt Turner. And I was asked to pull a tarot card in that class. And I remember like full body sweats, like squeezing my legs, thinking like I'm going to combust if I touch a tarot card. Like I may have grown up in a spiritualist church, but my mom was like more so in like the organized religion like side of things. And so There was still that sort of like demonization of like tools for divination, tools for like seeking clarity. Um, That's just very much um, a part of like this tension. I think that black Americans hold in like keeping up the guise of Christianity and like being in our very earth-based traditions and like spirit-based traditions. And I pulled this card and I remember like finally breathing and looking at looking at it and it was the lovers and I um I just like was really mesmerized by this card it was the Voyager tech by James deck by uh James Wanless and it's just such a meditative deck and I remember like leaving class I went online I got a deck and I started working with the tarot pretty much every day in secrecy for like seven years. And it was just like a thing that I did for myself. I would ask myself questions. I would make spreads. 
I would solve like my own problems or work through problems or work through emotions and feelings with the tarot. And so that's kind of how I got to um, understanding, like working with my own energy. Um, and from there, it sort of like snowballed into, you know, once you once you see clarity in one way, others sort of like come through, you know. Definitely. Tarot, I feel like for, for me as well, was such a gateway into um, having a conversation, um, especially for me after coming from like an organized religion background and feeling kind of hurt by that and then wanting to develop a new relationship, especially with the visual cues that tarot offers. And I know that you're a tarot reader. Um, I know you offer Riverside chats and um yeah, I look at you as an intuitive guide and a spiritualist, and it's a really, really beautiful work to see, to be working with people on these, you know, levels of, of deep, tender places, and also having your own, like, having your own work and practice in this, and then being able to uh, support others in the way that they, that they, um, that they engage with their own work as well it's such a um it's such a gift and also i think it comes with so much responsibility and with that said a lot of this episode is is something that i would love to talk to you about and have the listeners listen to especially just because speaking with you i feel like i've learned so much about these areas as well in just like small and subtle ways but around kind of cultivating this discernment when working with practitioners um there's so much available out there right now. And it's, I think it's quite a large question. Um, but again, I just know that from experience, I, I've loved hearing just kind of your approaches and ways of cultivating this discernment in picking how you work with practitioners and picking what's right for you, what's in alignment and in, in the integrity that, that someone might stand in. So I don't know if there's a question there, but I would just love to hear your thoughts on all of that. And if there's anything specific you want to speak to. Yeah, I'm, I think it's really important to consider because I think when we first, um, you know, depending on if it's like your Saturn return or a transition in your life or a personal initiation that you're going through, like when you're seeking, you're in a really vulnerable place and um, when we're at our lowest, there are energies, people, things um, that may really feel good, but may not be good for us. Um, or they might be good in that moment and it might not be good in the long term. For example, I, as you know, as a black woman, I now seek elders and healers and teachers that, are also black. And um, I'm also in graduate school. And so obviously there's, you don't have as much um, control over like who your professors are. Uh, but I think that there are areas in our life in which if we're seeking information, then we have to be um, really intentional on who we work with and why. And for me, that starts with my lineage and my ancestry. And it really was not like that in the beginning. In the beginning, I was led to people. And that is, I think, really important. I was led to people by my ancestors and by my spirits. 
And it wasn't necessarily um, sort of a choice for me. It was like, you're at this point in your life in which you need guidance. And I'm going to send you these people that are going to support you in getting from A to B. And then once you get to a point to where you're like really um, grounded in yourself, you're possessing yourself fully, then you have, um, I feel like more responsibility, like as a spiritualist and as a person who's like on a path to grow, um, who's on this earth to like grow and learn. It's like, okay, now you choose, we're going to send you options and like choose what really resonates with you. And for me, that definitely starts with my lineage. Um, And there's always sort of like signs and clues along the way, I think, Um, in terms of like, if something is really a good fit or not. And really, that's about being embodied, I think, like listening to your body's response to like, a situation like for example like a class or a workshop or a modality even like if you try something for example I started with tarot but in my family my relatives who read cards used um playing cards like that is the traditional divination tool for um hoodoo or root workers and that's something I'm just now exploring And so it's not, there's definitely no right or wrong, but I think as we seek more, we find things that sort of like connect us back with the the tools our ancestors had. And I think that's the most important thing, like having all the tools available to us that will support us and having the discernment to choose um, the one that is going to like serve us the well in that moment. Those answers are so beautiful and and what I needed at a certain time in my life but you know I know there was this path for me that was a little bit kind of just a a flip of that like it took me a while to get to actually working with um or yeah having that ancestral connection calling on them and it came later and it's still something that I'm relatively new with in exploring and uh, it's so beautiful and it feels it feels really protected for me. I, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, so I might be repeating myself here, but when my grandma passed over, I immediately felt like the deepest connection to her in the spirit world. So during you know that that grieving process that happened, um, it was it was interesting for me because I felt such a strong connection to her on the spirit in the spirit world, and that kind of opened up the ancestral connections and deepening that practice for me because I'm like there's a whole world there that in my own spirituality practice I hadn't gotten to yet um because I was introduced to it in these other ways and kind of following and it all you know it all brought me back here and it all brought me back to my ancestors which I'm grateful for but I'm curious about for you is that something that you were brought up with is that those ancestral connections or is it something that you cultivated over time um it feels really powerful to have them now and to feel, uh, to feel their support. Like there's been, yeah, meditations I've had and just, um, journeying that I've gone on and I feel their love and their energy. And I remember there was a time when I kind of like broke open understanding that they've been with me all along and just having those Mm -hmm. visceral 
vision experiences of them being like, we've been here, like we've been got you, but it took a while for me to see that and feel that and know that it was them specifically. Mm. I did not grow up with um, like explicit ancestor reverence. Um, I think that many, I would say many black Americans, if they find themselves in um, a tradition like hoodoo or root work or like spirituality or even like the, you know, like the Protestant church, um, I think that when we think about how we organize our houses, like black people's houses are altars. There are many altars um, in a black home and there are altars to living family. There's altars to our ancestors. There's altars to elements. There's altars to um, an animal that you have an affinity to. And so altar making has been in my life for as long as I can remember in our home, like in my childhood home, um, in the home of my relatives. However, the concept of communing with them um, in a really ritualistic way was not. Um, That's something that I came to later in my life. I think that my, my dad showed me a bit of that growing up because he would commune and speak to the elements I grew up on a ranch and so we had like a very um, sort of specific connection to like working the land through his example. But in terms of that concept, it's so funny. I told my mom about my altar like this week and she was like, tell me about that. What is that? And she goes, oh, we have, yeah, like we have our pictures and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, we know this. It's sort of like the same thing when we think about hoodoo and like specific rituals. My dad told me that his grandmother, the question I posed to him was what did grandma like to do other than cook? I saw her cook and I saw her on the phone and he thought about it and he was like, well, he would go and see his friends there. Um, she would go and see her friends before she had like the phone sort of ritual and he goes, the only other thing I can think of is that we would clean and I go, tell me more about that. And he was like, we would flip the mattresses and we would be sweeping. And I was like, yeah, hoodoo. Okay, here we go. So it's not just like, it's not just my uh, mom's side and my grandmother like having a garden at the age of six. It's also like the rituals of like seasonally cleaning um, and bringing in fresh new energy. We were just talking about this transition we're in right now before we got on um, between winter and spring. And I was walking back to my house with my friends today and cleavers are popping up here and cleavers are sort of that signal like spring is coming. We need to be detoxing from these heavy foods and this heavy um, sort of like coat that we've pulled around ourselves or sort of like unraveling things. So it's interesting to like know. I find as the, the older I get and the more conversations I have, there were clues as to Um, this spiritual connection and this ancestral connection it just wasn't explicit and I think a lot of that had to do with assimilation um, and safety and like keeping up appearances Um, but every single home that I remember 
visiting growing up as a child had a mantle or a china cabinet or a bookshelf that was filled with pictures. Pictures of, you know, grandparents. No, it's interesting that you say just everything you just said, because it's only recently that I've learned about these kind of archetypes and symbols that are in a lot of organized religion that stem from these uh, even more ancient uh, practices and religions and lifestyles and things like that. Um, one example I can give is like Mary and how there are a lot of different, um, goddesses that she may represent. And a lot of times like in the diaspora, in a lot of these situations where it was almost at some point, I think back, there was a realization that this, you know, someone may have been uh, worshiping to whoever or, or looking to this archetype and it actually represented something else from their mm-hmm. ancestral lineage and that it was a way to kind of protect themselves. And then I think along the way, a lot of what you're saying uh, with assimilation and all of that happening, that there, that maybe it got lost in translation, but it's so interesting because it's like, it's that the kind of the ancestors tapping us on the shoulder and being like, you know, we're still here those practices are still here. Like just hearing the story with your grandmom and, and the, you know, flipping the bed and how all of those ways are still in us. But I think right now, which I'm really excited about is that I think people are like naming them and, uh, and I hope, you know, you know, uh, giving reverence to the lineages they came from and really letting that come to the surface because something I've struggled with and the kind of like, the episode that I wanted to like lead into this second part is a lot about um, the commodification and the uh, extrapolation Mm -hmm. and appropriation of all of these different practices um, and being stripped from where they come from, which a lot of them are from targeted communities and um, yeah, the, the way that the systems and structures oppress certain groups, you know, and have that, in a way and how it's bubbled up to the surface in uh, I want to call it mainstream spirituality and not knowing where any of this comes from and just practicing it and thinking that you're being, you know, in tune in faith. And actually one of the pages that you sent me recently, um, there were posts about uh, like a lot of, you know, white women on like banging on a drum, kind of how, um, a Native American white might, and then making sounds that might sound Native American, but are not the language. And mm. that was just an example of one of the ways I see this. And it's a really hard topic because it's, I think it's complex. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm curious to hear what you think, but I don't think it's like very simple. I think it's pretty complex just because of the world we live in and the age of Aquarius and all of these things. But I think it's really important for mm. us to start naming for us to start acknowledging these practices, seeing where they come from, uh, honoring our own. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of that and kind of, yeah, do you see it as simple? Do you see it as more complex? And um, what does it mean to you as a Black American and in seeing these traditions being extracted in the way that they are? Mm. Oh. So many layers there. It's definitely <laughs> complex. I, I used to want to say that it's simple, 
I really used to want to say that um, because I'm protective of, you know, my culture and my lineage and our traditions. However, we're living in a world that's just like longing and starved, really like starved for um, authenticity and really starving for um, like the ability to possess our own spirit. Like there's so many things pulling out our energy. There's so many things like extracting our energy and our attention. And so I think it's hard to be precious with that um, within white oppression and within capitalism and colonialism. And so it's, it's absolutely complex in that people are seeking and there aren't enough. I don't, I don't have an, I'm looking for a non-capitalistic word. I almost wanted to say reputable, you know, like they're not enough. They're not enough genuine teachers. There aren't enough trained And when I say trained, I think of people who have studied under elders, or I think of people whose traditions were passed down within their lineage, and then are sharing that with other people. And it may not be literal, like sometimes your lineage is not literally physically here, but you're receiving that information um, through your ancestral connection, through your spiritual routine. And an example of that is like my connection to candle magic and root work and how organic that was to me, like how I was brought to root work um, just through this natural um, attraction, I would say, to working with the tarot and candle magic and root work um, like in tandem. And so it was really only later after years of like feeling out these things for myself and by myself, because I did not have the community that I sort of um, began to understand what I was doing. But I think that um, it is really challenging, I think, especially thinking about like hoodoo or um, root work and like how there are absolutely um, stores or herbalists or just like products that are made under, um, the guise of being authentic. And then they're like sold to people and packaged in a more palatable way. Um, and I think, I think about, um, yoga too. I think about yoga and I think about the intention around, um, meditating and moving your energy and somatic therapy and how that has also been um, sort of like commodified as exercise. And so it's complex in that some people, I mean, people, a lot of people aren't coming to it with like malicious intent or, um, you know, or aren't coming into these different practices with bad intentions the issue is that they just don't know better you know they just don't know any better there's that saying like when you know better you do better um and unfortunately a lot of people don't know better right now and I think an example of that is um the scamming that's happening online right now and you know there are people's work that's being copied and then you know they're being reached out to by essentially like strangers who knows where they are. Sometimes they're even bots asking um, for money in exchange for a reading. And it's like, 
I would never think that a healer would reach out to me and say, your ancestors gave me this message and I needed to contact you. But people just don't know. And so some people are like, oh, that wasn't you. You weren't messaging me or, oh, I was excited you messaged me and chose me for a reading. That's not how those, how, I don't know any divinatory tradition that, you know, is there's like a healer, you know, going from house to house trying to figure out who they're going to do work for. Like, no, they, like you go to the healer for healing. So I think there is just a bit of um, confusion. There's no, I, uh, again, this word keeps coming up, but there's no accountability. That's what I want to say. There is an accountability when you're seeking spiritual community um, online and we're in a pandemic. And so oftentimes that's where you can, you know, receive guidance or that's where you can, you know, connect with other people or that's where you can learn new information. Um, But I'm studying um, art therapy and counseling. And even in the mental health world on Instagram, there's still some very disturbing things going on, I would say that, (laughs) that, um, you know, you, you just wouldn't think that we would have these issues coming up around ethics and um, accountability. But I think they're really at the forefront right now. Um, And there's really not a lot that can be done in terms of you know, vetting, quote unquote, vetting practitioners, vetting um, diviners, vetting herbalists. It's really, you have to use your own discernment. And that's the name of the game for the next 30 years. Like if, if you're, if you could, you know, you could get got if you don't, if you let yourself slip up, you know, even for a second, Um, like that's how serious it is, I think. I agree. And just speaking to that point of in the beginning, when you were talking about being in a vulnerable space and, you know, being spiritually deprived as these constructed systems of whiteness and uh, white oppression, how they are constructed to to do that to all of us and obviously specifically targeted to certain communities. But it's just that piece of it and, and having the awareness that yeah there is there might there might be a lack of knowledge and also wanting to hold people accountable it's i think to me that's where it gets complex because of course you want people to have these tools and these resources that you know may have helped you or part of your lineage or whatever the case is but because we live in a world where you know i um I'm like, do I want to go on this tangent or not? But I think a lot about the, you know, what happened with the Native Americans here and the schools that would, you know, take them and rip them from their cultures and uh, essentially Americanize them and the colonization, you know, the the prime definition of colonization um, and see what they would do. And then having people, you know, burn white sage. And, and I, and I, I've talked about this before, but as someone who also burned it without the knowledge of where it came from, like, when I was burning this, I had no idea that it's sacred to the act, like the land, the people of the land that I live on. And it's like these small acts and practices that we think are just, you know, clearing the space or bringing us some, some sort of peace. And then not knowing that there's such a history behind it and not knowing that, you know, if, if we're not in integrity with the ethics of where we got it or how we're doing it. Um, for example, I learned that 
the way that it was done sacredly is one leaf at a time. And now you see these bundles where it's like oh, so many. And also there, um, yeah, there's been trouble with it being over harvested and all of these things. And um, it seems like it can be so simple and maybe, you know, not cause anyone harm because it's making you feel better, but it just goes back into these larger overarching structures and systems that have created. And, you know, it, it, it just seems like it could be so simple, but really it's not because of everything that's happened. And I just think it's so important to pay pay attention to those things. And yeah, since I met you and started working with you, I've, I've always felt the sense of integrity in your work and a sense of just, um, just that responsibility that is, is kind of gets lost in the sauce a lot right now. And I think a lot of what, what, when you were talking, a lot of what I thought of is the age of Aquarius and this excessive amount of information and tools and resources, which on one hand, I find to be really amazing and great. Um, and on the other hand, when we are inundated with all of these resources and information, uh, and it goes back to so many things, not even in just the topic we're talking about, but having that discernment, having that understanding whatever it is for a specific individual of how they choose to work with someone of how they choose to be in community and that can be really hard because as someone who was in that place of vulnerability seeking you know a shift or seeking some sort of support and help being in that state already I think kind of just leaves you at a place where those tools might not be at the forefront the tools of you know a gut check intuition all those things because you might be you know searching for more for more of them on your way. How have you cultivated, um, I know you talked about, you know, your ancestors being on your team, but how have you cultivated that discernment? It sounds like you said elders and um, mentors and having that, which is also something um, I feel really grateful for is to have elders and to, because one of the things for me um, was when I went to find an herbal school, I was looking for a really long time. I think it was years because I wanted someone that it felt, yeah, in integrity and that they were mentioning the modalities they were using and understanding of that. And for years, I was just getting these schools of like kind of this eclectic medicine, but never naming the traditions it came from and really more mm -hmm. like academic based and things like that. So, so it did take me a while to find that. And I'm, and I, I do feel that sometimes that the, the stuff that is in responsibility and integrity, all those things are not at the forefront. Usually the, you know, the biggest names or this or that, or that's usually at the fore. Um, I'm getting away from myself now, so I'll just take a moment and just hear your response to all of that. So much there. So much there, Miranda. Um, I think there's something that really stood <laughs> out to me when you were speaking. You were talking about your connection to working with an herb and thinking about the tension between something that made you feel better versus something that was um, not sustainable or was destructive or inappropriate um, for you to be using. And I think the key word there is like that concept of 
um, the individual and like our responsibility to something greater than ourselves that isn't necessarily implied when we as modern people in, and both of us are in the States on Turtle Island. Um, For us, spirituality feels like a very individualistic pursuit um, until until we've, you know, been on a path of like longing and realizing that what we actually want is community. Um, Not necessarily that like relief, not that energetic relief, um, but like community and feeling as though um, we have a place where we can be understood and seen and um, supported and held accountable to like whatever our purpose is. And so Um, For me, that process over time, because there was a time in which I would um, sort of like be attracted to a topic and I wouldn't consider who was sort of relaying that information to me. And so, like you said, in terms of it being, um, you know, really challenging, I think that our greatest teachers... um, come to us in a way that feels right. And the only way I can really put that into like a practical ask or a practical, excuse me, a practical um, action is asking our ancestors to connect us or to bring us to um, the teachers and the community that is going to align with our, our personal ancestor practice. And so it's sort of like, for me and in my um, intensive in Riverside Chats, that's why that work is grounded in an ancestor reading and getting really clear on the work you're doing within your lineage um, and some of the gifts and the strengths, but also some of the challenges that you'll face. And then from there, the next step is like really getting clear on... um, your spiritual routine and like what can keep you grounded and connected and um, able to like fully possess yourself so that you can seek out community so that you can seek out new knowledge. But I do believe that it really starts with that practice of connecting with our spirits um, because that's where the discernment is rooted in, like it's rooted in possessing ourselves. Like we are the first spirit that we need a really solid understanding and relationship with. And from there, the next closest thing is your lineage because you were born into that um, soul family and you were you agreed upon those guides. And so um, I think really asking like verbally, this is not like something in your head. This isn't something you write down, like, asking for what, um, I know you're laughing, (laughs) but it's something really simple that a lot of people, um, don't, don't understand is that unless it's in your cosmology, um, to have these omnipresent beings in your life, like ancestors don't read your mind. Nobody's reading your mind, like nobody. And so you really do have to like get really comfortable talking and communing and asking questions um like that's how you receive guidance and it's not as though i mean some of us will receive you know verbal responses back 
or in our dreams, you know, a dream space is really a good place to receive messages. Um, but oftentimes it's in the form of like a chance encounter or like the right person or teacher um, being revealed to you so that you can sort of like go on that next part of your journey. I'm just laughing because you said this in the Navigating Spirituality in the Age of Aquarius workshop, and it never mm -hmm. dawned on me before because for a long time, I'd just been talking in my head. And then when you said that, I was like, oh, I need to use my voice. Like, and it, it does make a huge difference in like prayer and all of these things. And I'm like, I really thought that they were out here just like reading my mind. And so when you said that, and it really... I think speaks to like the throat energy center and how so much of that has been kind of, um, you know, just suppressed and, and just giving voice to the things that we're asking for when it comes to our ancestors or whatever it is, I think is really powerful and really necessary, especially in these times. Um, so yeah, I was just laughing about that. Cause I'm like, this is so right. And I've noticed the change, you know, in it for myself. It's really, really important. Um, I've, I've felt in, in my practice as well. But um, one of the things as we're talking, I'm thinking about is, I guess, thinking of the people who may not have those ancestral connections in a physical way or, or feel very removed from them. And just maybe um, if you have any thoughts or, or, or words to give to someone who feels a little bit disconnected from those roots and, and where they might start. Um, because I think, I'm gathering my words, but I think for a lot of cultures, like I'll speak to, to my own, I think in the Puerto Rican culture, it's just very, a lot of our traditions are really prevalent. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with, you know, historically what has happened and all of these things and, or I'll speak, yeah, Puerto Rican culture, like as simply like through food and how spiritual, like making a meal can mm -hmm. be. And I think we think about all of these you know, esoteric and ethereal ways of connecting and astral projection or this or that, or, or all these different ways of uh, communing when really just as simple as like, sometimes I'll just ask my grandma to help me make a meal. And it can be as simple as that. But to me, that that's very close to me. And I know that food was her medicine for people. So I have that uh, connection there. So I'm just wondering for someone who feels further removed or who feels you know, I know there's so many of, you know, I think every culture across the board has, and of course, like more predominantly certain than others, but has had to assimilate and had to uh, hide their cultural traditions and all of this. So I'm just long-winded way of saying, how do we um, get back to those roots, even if they feel so far removed? Mm. I love that you brought up food. That's one of my favorite ways to connect with my ancestors and my guides. My altar is in my kitchen. I I vet people who come into my house through my altar and through that, you know, like how they interact with that space. And so even if you don't know your ancestors, even if you don't have like living memories or you were adopted, there are still guides and spirits that are working with you. And there are some clients I have who don't use the word ancestor. And so I don't use the word ancestor. Like we meet people where they're at. And so um, if they are more connected to the concept of a guide, whether it's, you know, someone that was related to them or not, that is absolutely um, what resonates, you know, 
for many, many people. And even guides can be like historical figures. Guides can be elementals. Guides, um, guides can be V elements. There are many different ways to really ground into um, our connection with these um, systems that we are a part of and that we're not necessarily, that aren't a, necessarily a part of our, you know, like human five senses, you know, but that our bodies feel and that our bodies know. And so I think that um, seeking to connect with what is coming up for you in that moment. So like you were saying, if it's a connection to food and that is what's really getting you in touch with your guides, or if it's a connection to a movement practice or um, a type of dance, or like we were talking about working with the herbs or working with elements. I had no idea that I had individuals in my family who were witch doctors until I started working with herbs. Like I, nobody ever told me that I had no idea, but it's, it's not a surprise to me at all now that I'm like doing this work. Um, but this is to say that when we answer the yearning um, around an activity or around an interest or a passion, then we'll be led to um, connecting in a deeper way with our spirits. That's so beautiful. And it, 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 it feels like a, just like a continuous uncovering. Cause I think I'll just speak to my experience of like just learning this and then learning that and then seeing, peeling back the layers and how much more um, you can clearly see and, and match that with feelings you might've had. I have said before that it took me a long route to get back to like understanding my grandmother's curandera ways and just how simplistic and healing they were. And I went through all these different channels and all these different industries to get back to my roots. And I think that, you know, it's challenging because I do believe that the systems that we are set up in make it that way. Um, but I still found mm -hmm. them and I still have been able to deepen them. And, um, it's been the most rewarding and rich practice that I feel like now that I have, I can never go back. <laughs> mm, yes. Yes. It's definitely, um, it's definitely a, becomes a way of really grounding into ourselves. Like when you understand who you are and where you came from and like who's working with you and who's really rooting for you. Um, like you said, that connection and that support is really invaluable. There's not, there's not anything like that. I don't think for us on this earth, other than working with nature, I would say like the support of nature, the support of our spirits, um, it's really what brings balance to our like human affairs. It, it really puts everything into perspective. Something that I've found beautiful in like working with you is also just how you weave these practices together with Tarot and um, ancestral connections and astrology. And I know you're also um, an herbalist apprentice as well. And in academic school too, you have all of these beautiful things that you're weaving together. And I guess I'm just 
wondering if you could speak to that and just how they might be seemingly different, but how they kind of create um, this force and this way of being in your life, how they've supported you and, and how they maybe work off one another. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that kind of assembly of tools and support and resources. Mm, Yeah. I mean, this is really funny. I'm about to work on my presentation for level two or wrapping up the second level of my apprenticeship at um, sacred vibes with Karen Rose and with Empress Karen Rose. And so I've really been sort of coming to a greater understanding of the bridge that um, my work as an herbalist, as a root worker, um, as somebody who is an intuitive guide and someone who's studying mental health counseling and art therapy. Like when I, when I'm led to things, first of all, I have no idea what it's going to look like in the end. I think it's so funny for the, for a while I was like really seated in this concept of leading a spirit led life, like but fully as a concept until I was thrown into it. And I was like, this is what it's like. Like it's like living in a pandemic. You have no idea what the fuck is next. Like you're walking (laughs) the, the metaphor that I often use for um, us collectively in a pandemic is like in the beginning, you know, before vaccines, we had these tiny little matches and we were like all very nervous and careful and, you know, we would walk a couple of inches and see how that felt. And now that, you know, there's this a little bit more safety and we have tools and protocol, then now we have like a gas lantern, you know, <laughs> and it really, it feels that way um, wa- walking a spirit led life because you show up and you say yes, but you have no idea what the end result is. And I think when we say yes to our purpose, Oftentimes, um, again, we're led to people. I think that's one of the biggest indicators for me that I'm on the right path is that it's about um, a connection or a collaboration or community um, that guides my decision making as opposed to, you know, a thing or a role or... um, yeah, even a paycheck, like, for me, it's like, what is it I want to learn? Why do I want to learn it? Who else is going to benefit from me having this new knowledge? And as I'm learning to bring them together, I think for me, a lot of the work that I'll be addressing is like, um, this concept, which is in African spirituality of our head of our ORI, of like possessing ourselves fully, of like honoring our head and our head is different than in this concept than our quote unquote mind. Our head is like our personhood. Like, are we living in alignment with our personhood? And I believe in counseling that would be like, are your thoughts congruent with your actions? But it's really like, is your personhood, are you honoring your personhood? Are you honoring your head? Your personhood is not just you in your head. It's also your lineage. It's also your family. Are you honoring that? And I think one of the biggest challenges we'll face if you're, you know, tuning in and 
listening from sort of like a Western um, indoctrination is that we have a lot more responsibility than we think we do. We're in an individualistic society, and that is exactly why we're in this position of longing and seeking and just being lost. And so I think the more we can connect to these greater systems that are um, here to support us, the more clarity and discernment you have simply by um, honoring our personhood. And so I see herbalism as helping people honor their personhood so that they're not making decisions out of scarcity in a medical setting that isn't really honoring, again, their personhood. Um, and so that for me is sort of the connective thread, I think, in my work is like, how do we help each other? How do we hold each other accountable to what it is we came here to do? And sometimes that's as simple as being a witness for another person, um, like witnessing them tell their story, witnessing and supporting them in creating new structures that are supportive for them. Um, sharing the knowledge that, you know, for me, it's like using the tarot to channel information for people. But in a reading, I consider a reading that I receive or that I give successful if it has these couple of components, one of which is confirmation, um, affirmation, and, you know, support. Like people often say, that's been coming up for me, or that's been... Um, a theme in my life, or that's a message I've been receiving, like though, like getting divination, receiving um, support from a healer should feel as though it is um, confirming things that you know, deep within you, it's supporting and even in a mental health setting, I feel like you should be supporting individuals in remembering who they are. And like, supporting them in feeling as though they have the tools they need to um, grow in whatever way that looks for them. I mean, just amen to all of that. Thank you for speaking to it in such a way um, that I think is really clear because I think at the end of the day, like that's what we're talking about um, in all of this, in the discernment, in yeah, being a human being at this time in space in the world, um, it's so, so important. So I'm really appreciative of you speaking to that. And I just love the the all these different ways that you bring this work together and your education, your knowledge together and what you're, you know, sharing. And I'm so, so excited for the collaboration on the Elemental Magic course that we're mm. offering um there's so much there that you were saying that just reminds me of like what we've been creating and what we've been hoping for elemental magic is a five month long course with Lauren and I we are going to dive into each of the elements during a specific um sun sign astrology season and allow that to kind of be our guiding light. And we're going to weave in um, different practices and different ways to work with the elements as, you know, the alchemists that I believe we all are. Um, when we were doing 
kind of prepping for this and all of that, one of the words that came up that really spoke to me for this offering that we're creating is, is Lauren and I as liaisons for the elements. Um, we've developed our own relationships to them. And the elements that we're including are, you know, earth, air, water, fire, and then spirit is the final element that we will talk about. Um, and yeah, just this word of liaison instead of, to me, feels more appropriate instead of teacher or guide or something like that, because yeah, we have our own relationships. We're still growing and learning in, but we have come to a point that I think we are ready to share the knowledge we've gained in, um, in having our own practices that are simple, that are daily, that ground us in these places and really teach us how to, how to be an alchemist in our lives. Um, so Lauren, I'd, if there's anything you want to add, I'm so excited to, to do this workshop with you. Yes, absolutely. I think there, what you've shared is really, um, really on the nose. I think what I'm really most excited about is the um, complementary like nature of our relationship. And so like both of us sort of working with the tarot and um, herbalism, but really from different parts of the country with different um, teachers, different um, focuses in our studies. I think that we can really come together and have some really amazing dialogue with um, within community, I think is one of my favorite parts about like learning together. And um, yeah, I think I love that we've aligned the astrology with the elements. I think that's really going to ground us not only in our working community, but also in our lives. Like there is, um, I think there is a need for practices to be as practical as possible. If it's not enhancing the peace in your life, if it's not bringing more balance or harmony into your life, if you're not digging deeper into your healing work, um, then why do it, you know? And so to have it really be in alignment with the new astrological year, like starting an airy season with fire, I think it's going to be a really lovely introduction um, to this work in community because we'll really sort of be like witnessing this like uh, initiation into the new year. I love everything you spoke to. And, and yeah, it's so nice to have these different perspectives come together and for people to come and, and, and join us and, be where they're at and see how it grows and evolves and changes and what we can learn from each other in community. Um, yeah, I'm so damn excited and I'm going to leave all the information in the notes. Um, and I think the last thing I just want to say about that is that the elements just feel so foundational in any work, mm -hmm. like in anything. And just these really simple ways to um, cultivate that awareness, to commune with nature, to support our everyday lives and nourish and feed ourselves with the elements and also nourish and feed them. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just like very lit up. So all that information will be below. Lauren, I have one more question for you and I'm so grateful for your time today and just, yeah, I just love our back and forth. Our Aries Libra complimentary just sun signs they just work so well together <laughs> but um 
I wanted to close out with asking if you are open to sharing a healing remedy that your grandma shared with you that is something that you still um, work with or if there's just one coming up right now. I um, love mm. the healing grandmother energy. So just curious if you have any. Yeah, it's so funny. We mentioned it earlier, um, especially talking about like cleavers and detoxing, but cleaning, like cleaning um for me floors are very important and so coming up on spring you know sweeping from back to front doing our floor washes with the windows and the doors you know open just airing out the house I think it's super important to um really allow the wind to carry away stagnancy and to um really bring in really sweet energy with the floor wash could use um, essential oils. You can use flowers. You can use herbs from the garden. I would really encourage people to like take a walk in their neighborhood and see what's coming up because that's almost always the medicine that we need. You know, in the moments, like go out and find something that's growing near you um, and steep that and add it to your to your mop bucket and just really clean clean out the floors i'm feeling that so much with this transitional energy well lauren thank you so much for coming thank you so much for our collaboration together i just feel so grateful and um yeah we'll leave all that information below so if you would like to sign up for elemental magic the information will be there um, i'll leave all of lauren's information actually lauren could you share uh where people can find you the best ways um, if it's Instagram or a newsletter, if you have anything specific, I'll leave it in the show notes, but I'll also uh, have them be able to hear it as well. Of course, absolutely. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Woman of Rivers. My website is um, also womanofrivers.com. And I do have a newsletter that you can sign up for at the bottom of my website. Yay. Thank you so much, Lauren. Oh, thank you for having me. I just really enjoyed these conversations. These are things that I think we're all thinking about and to be able to get together and sort of like flush them out and feel really, you know, validated in what we're feeling um, is really important. So I look forward to many more.